Need a Bible? If you slip up your hand, Pete will bring you one. Everybody got one? All right. So last week we began to talk about we need to persevere with intensity. intensity. Okay, we got three people saying it now. Say it with me. Persevere with intensity. To follow Christ is to persevere with intensity. And we talked about perseverance is about enduring. It's about continuing on when you want to give up. It's about being steadfast and consistent, persevering, just continuing to go forward. Intensity is to do it in a, with some passion with an, to an extreme degree, with fervency and zeal and earnestness. It's not just surviving, it's thriving. It's having this uh, oomph and energy behind it. And so in my mind, a good definition to persevere with intensity means that we take one step at a time, just one step at a time. It's not taking heroic steps. It's just one step, taking the next step, but with zealous determination all the way to the end, refusing to give up. That's perseverance. One step at a time with zealous determination all the way to the end. And I think our, our memory verse is important in this because if we're looking at that which can be seen, we, we, we will get discouraged. We will get overwhelmed. We don't have the capacity in our own ability to, um, to persevere. It takes the unseen presence of the Holy Spirit, the unseen presence of God and strength of God and, and inside of God in order to continue on. Last week, then, we saw that this means knees and nudges, which we've been talking about for six or eight months. Knees and nudges. Knees, we start each day on our knees in surrender and praise. And I talked about that. I, I, I got down on my knees and I, I showed you, this is what it is. We praise. We start on our knees with praise. God, I praise you. I surrender to you. I give myself to you. And in you're, you're the creator, you're the sustainer, you're the, re, you're the redeemer, you're all knowing. Just giving God praise, recognizing who he is, and in doing so, on our knees, is a physical symbol of surrendering to who he is. There's something that happens, there's a mysterious something that happens when we align our physical body with our words and with our prayers. So I challenge you, on your knees every day. Um, and, and have you ever met somebody that you really didn't like? I mean, maybe you're holier than I am. I don't know. Maybe you just like everybody. Somebody that, and you were around them a little bit, and you really, and, and then you really didn't want to be around them. <laughs> have you ever met anybody like that? Yeah. I mean, don't, don't, now don't be elbowing the person behind, beside you saying, yeah, I know, yeah. But have you ever met somebody like that, that after you began to spend time with them, you thought, maybe they're not so bad. And you spent, no, <laughs> nope, never had that experience. I just don't like anybody. And then after you spend more time with them, you look forward to being with them. And then after a while, you can't wait to see them. Or maybe you had the experience in school where, um, you're going into the next grade and you, you know that the reputation of the history teacher is awful. And you, you're just hoping and praying you don't get that history and you end up in their class. And it's your 
7.30 class. And you're dreading it, and you don't want to be there. And so you go dragging your feet the first day. And then you, after you sit in the class for a few days, you, really, you think, maybe I don't know what people, this isn't so bad. And then after you're in there a little bit longer, you, you think, this, I really like this teacher. And then you can't wait to get there. There's something that happens as you spend time with that teacher or with that person. You get to know them, and you get to know them for who they really are. You begin to like them, and you look forward to being there. I, I think that's the picture of what happens when you begin your day on your knees. It's not an appealing thing when you first don't know God. It feels like obligation. feels like it's something that I have to do. It's a duty that I have to do. Oh, boy, i got to do this again. But the longer you do it, the more you spend time in intimate in, in true communication and, and you begin to experience God's presence when you're on your knees, the more you will look forward to it. Start every day on your knees and stay there. Keep doing it. Persevere with intensity and you'll be glad that you did. Knees is not everything, but it's the first thing. You might want to write that down. Knees is, is starting your day on your knees is not everything, but it's the first thing. It aligns us with God. It, puts, it gives God the God place and, and, it, and it puts us in the place where we belong as his servant, as his child. But it's not everything. And that's why we have nudges. So knees and nudges. And we started talking about nudges last week. Nudges means fo- to follow God's nudges, God's Words, God's push, God's circumstances as you go throughout the day. It's to pay attention, have your antenna up so you're, you're receiving the messages of God or the encouragement of God, the, the direction of God as you go throughout your day. And so I use that term nudges um, to describe any way that God interacts with you as you go throughout your day. And um, so th- over this last week, I felt like, okay, we need to spend some time with this because it's such an important part. It, it, it is the essence of walking the Christian life, being in communication with God as we go throughout our day in obedience to him, that we, we need to really stop and understand that. So we're going to spend some time here. Um, and part of it is God's nudges. Well, let me, let me back up. As you talk with one another, would you begin, if you, if you don't already do it, to, to um, talk about how God nudges you? Because what I've learned is God's nudges are tailor-made to each personality. And so how he nudges me, which is I'm up here and I'm the one talking and I'm giving you examples from my life, is going to be different from each one of you. Because God's our loving Heavenly Dad, and each one of us as his kids are different. You know, sometimes people ask me, how many kids do you have? Four. How many of each? Four. One of each. Because they're, and what they're usually asking is how many boys and how many girls do you have? But how many do you have? They're all different. They're all different. Every single one of them is different. And our oldest was a hard-headed, strong-willed, and I had to go toe-to-toe with him and nose-to-nose in, in order, because he's just a strong will. 
And our youngest son was this gentle spirit that if I did with my oldest what I, with the youngest, it would have just destroyed him because he's just this gentle spirit. That's what God does with us. Some of you are hard-headed and God's going to have to get in your face. <laughs> and you know who you are. <laughs> Some of you are gentle spirits and God's just going to lovingly nudge you and, and kind of tug on you because that's all you need. So let's talk about it. Nudges. What it looks like to follow God's nudges are, I think the uh, kind of a hallmark scripture is Galatians 5.25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's what the Christian life should be. That's what our days are supposed to be. It's just walking in step with Him. Walking in step with Him. So what does it mean? I hadn't planned on talking about this, but as it was praying this morning on my knees, I sense that we need to spend more time on this first point than I had planned. Here it is. We need to view God as almighty, loving, heavenly father, heavenly dad. You're not going to want to walk in step with God if you don't understand he's your loving heavenly father. Amen. Audience participation time. When people think of God, and not, not necessarily you, but people who are maybe don't really good, have a good relationship with God, when they think of God, what kinds of, of descriptions or what kinds of ideas about God do you hear? Judgmental, Judgmental absolutely. Angry. Strict. Taskmaster. Distant. Spun the, the world into place and just let us go. Any others? That's typical. So when we, and, and it's the strategy of the enemy to get us to believe that God is distant, God is mean, God is angry, God is just. You, you have to, pr God, you know, any, if you want something from God, he's got it in this clenched fist and somehow, some way, you've got to earn your way to pull his, pry it out of his hand so that you can get what you, what you really want. And nothing could be further from the truth. Amen. I, don't know if I, I, I don't know if I told you this, but we have grandchildren now. <laughs> I, I love it. I, all I have to say is, I don't know if I, and people start shaking their head going, oh, there we go again. And our, and our oldest grandson is Brody, and he lives in the area. And one of my favorite memories, he's, he's turning six here in another month, but when he was about two years old, one day um, he, they came over to the house, Sheila was there, and um, I, they were there before I got home from the office. And I walked in the back door of our house, and Brody heard me coming in. And as I'm walking in the door, I see Brody on the other side of the trash can, and he's like, he's like this. <laughs> and, and he's just, he, he, he just can't control, Papa, 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 Papa. And I, and I had a briefcase in my hand, and, I, and I, it's like he's coming over to me, and I, I can't get the briefcase down quick enough to pick him up and hold him, and he puts his little arms around me. That's the picture that we need. And, and so f for me, I, I'm just all smiles, 
It just melts me, brings tears to my eyes because he loves me. He wants to be with me. He's excited about seeing me. That's a good picture of what God wants for us in a relationship with him. He's our loving heavenly father. Now, some of you have bad pictures of father. Put grandfather, uncle, whatever you want in there to, to replace that. Somebody that loves you and you love them and you can't wait to be with them. Unless we have that kind of picture of God, the true picture that Jesus gives us, we're not going to want to walk in step with him. He leadeth me. Why would I want to grab the hand of a God who I can't trust? who I think just wants to hurt me, who I think is just waiting to slap me because I'm doing something wrong. We, we, we have to make that shift. Otherwise, we're not going to want to go because you can't sustain knees and nudges if you're looking at God as, as being mean. You won't. But if you begin to understand and experience God as loving and, and excited about seeing him, you will look forward to being on your knees. And you will, you will look to him as you go through your day because you know he has nothing but good for you, even when he has to correct you. We have no idea how much God loves us. We can't comprehend it. He's the God who is all-powerful, but he's also all-loving. His loving kindness is better than life, the psalmist says. We have no idea how much he loves us. But every person that lives is, is, lives their entire life looking to fill the God-shaped hole that only God as a loving Heavenly Father can fill. And so the longings that we have and, and trying to find meaning, we, we hear it, trying to find meaning, trying to find purpose, trying to to take away the, the, the um, discouragement and the frustration and, and trying to just fill this hole in our hearts. People do it with jobs. People do it with relationships. People do it with, with alcohol or drugs. People do it with success. People do it with popularity. We think that if we can, and we keep grasping at those kinds of things and they never fulfill. But once you discover the God of the universe who loves us beyond all comprehension and you begin to experience that, you discover that, that he fills that in our hearts. The devil and the rebellious forces of this, in the supernatural realm will do all that they can to keep us from understanding who God really is. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 1. Jesus was sent to, to teach us about who God is and what he expects, but also to model who God is, who the Father is. And so in, in uh, Matthew chapter 18, it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I, I, that's just a bad question. 
Because you, you, you should not be worried about being the greatest. You should just be worrying about God. And so Jesus calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven, let, never, let alone be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, when Jesus says that, <clears throat> it's pretty deep into the three years of Jesus walking with these guys. They would be stunned and their mouths drop, their eyes big. Because in that culture, children weren't even of value. Children weren't even considered worth, uh, you know, you just raise them until they become adults and then they're of value. They were to be seen and not heard and hopefully not seen much. And so when Jesus says, you have to be like a child, he was talking about how we relate to our Heavenly Father. He's saying, he's, he's trying to reveal the correct character of God, identifying who God is and how we relate to Him. And so the picture of of our relationship with God requires that we view ourselves as children and God as our loving Heavenly Father. Being a follower of Christ is much more like being like Brody than it is like Pastor Schaefer, who's been in ministry for 40 years and has a Bible college degree. That's not what earns the relationship. The relationship is about humbling ourselves, allowing Him to be God in our lives, looking to Him, humbling ourselves, claiming nothing, claiming no rights with God, but rather just relationship. Flip back to Matthew chapter 7, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 7. Matthew 7, 7, ask, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. So he's teaching us the, the essence of what it means to be following God. Ask, and it will be given to you. Now, the, the, the grammatical phrasing of this would be better translated, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and continually seek, persevering in your seeking, keep asking. And you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Here's what Jesus is saying. You have a loving Heavenly Father who wants to give you good gifts. But you need to be like a child, and you need to ask. You need to keep asking. You need to keep seeking. You need to keep knocking. So, when I, I come in the house and Brody's there and I sit down and he wants something, if I'm trying to talk to his mother for a little bit, you know what happens? Grandpa, 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 
until finally, what happens? What? <laughs> That's the picture of a child who has confidence in his grandpa that he won't get in trouble, but he will be heard. And sometimes we just need to be walking with God. God, I, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. I just, I need to keep asking. I just, and for whatever reason, the perseverance of a child, he says. Because, now, is it because God, is it because I don't want to pay attention to Brody? No. For me, it's because I'm, I'm distracted or I'm busy or something. For God, he's got his other purposes, but he says, keep on asking. Then Jesus creates this stunning contrast that raises who God is far above this comparison with an earthly father or grandpa. Verse 9, or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Now, there are some terrible parents who would do that kind of thing. But he's talking to people who are, are, are seeking him, looking for him. And in general, he says, which one of you, if your son asks for bread, you're going to give him a stone, you're, that you're not going to feed him. He's, just, he's asking for bread. He's asking for nourishment. He's asking for what he needs to live. Which one of you? And the, and the inferred answer is, none of us would do that. Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent. And, and I can just imagine the disciples being appalled. Why? No. A fish. They, he need, I'm not going to give him something that's going to harm him when all he's asking for is something that he needs to live. And then I love this statement, verse 11. If then you who are evil, you who on the best day are still pretty selfish, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? How much more? If we, as, as selfish human beings, can do loving things for those that we care about, especially for children, how much more? It's not even a comparison. It's not even a contrast. God, in, we, we can't even comprehend how much God wants to do for us. That's the Heavenly Father that we need to have in mind when we go to our knees. That's the Heavenly Father we need to have in our minds when we go through our days and we're trying to pay attention to the nudges and we're, we're trying to memorize the scripture when we're trying to relate to him and, and we run into something and we need, we need some kind of direction and we're asked. That's the kind of Heavenly Father we have to keep in our mind that we need to walk with in constant surrender, listening, and obeying. Until we have a correct view of God, we will never truly live the knees and nudges because you can't sustain those kinds of habits on guilt or on obligation. It doesn't work. It only works if it's good relationship, if it's loving relationship. Now, I can't even imagine this, but if every time Brody came over, he had a bad experience with me. And then his mom says, we're going to go over and see Grandpa. What would be his response? Well, I don't want to do that. No, 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 no. 
He hates it when Sheila watches hockey. I know. I remember he was about one and a half, and he was standing, he was standing right in front of the TV, right in front of the TV. And Sheila had a hockey game on, and he's going, no hockey, no hockey, no hockey, no, and he wouldn't stop. He just, no hockey, no. That, if he had a bad experience every time he came over, that's what he would be saying. And if you don't have a good experience relating to God on your knees and following as you go throughout your day, you're not going to go to him. That's why it's essential that you allow the Holy Spirit to shift your understanding of who God is. He loves you more than you can imagine. He desires for you to be in relationship with him. Now, I just, I just sense, I just want to pause here. Would you bow your heads? If you have never had that picture of God, or if you're struggling in any facet of that kind of relationship with God, I invite you right now to to just say to God, God, I surrender all that I've known about you. And I ask that you would reveal yourself to me as you really are. I ask that you would transform my heart and my mind about you. I ask that you would give me glimpses this day of how much you love me, how much you're for me, how much you want to walk in love with me, Lord, I I just pray that your spirit would do the miraculous in each one of us to cause us to know you better and to love you more, surrender more by knowing who you really are. And we thank you that you said when we ask and we seek and we knock, you'll do it. And so I look forward to how you're going to do it. In the name of Jesus, amen. We have to have a true view, an accurate view. If we're going to walk in this lifestyle of knees and nudges. Number two, as we think about nudges, is we need to understand nudges as Holy Spirit communication. Understand nudges as Holy Spirit communication. So, I don't want you to answer out loud. This is not audience participation, but I want you to, to, to answer this question in your mind after I ask it. When I say nudges of God, what comes to mind? Whatever pops into your mind at that point is what you think nudges are. You know, whatever the, you know when, when, when I say nudges, that whatever, and some of it's probably accurate and a lot of it's probably not. So let's talk about it. Nudges. What, and now here's the second question. Where is God? And I'm not asking you for to answer this out loud. I just want you to consider it. Where is God when he speaks to you or nudges you? Where is he speaking from? A lot of people view it as out there. When, we, when they pray, they think they're praying to God 
out there. But what we just, you know, I love the way the whole God works this out because the story of, of the Holy Spirit coming that we told with the kids is an essential, essential element. When we pray to God, he's not out there. He's here. He lives within us. And so when we're praying to God Almighty, when we're praising him, yeah, we might have him pictured out there, but when we're, when we're talking, when we're in communication, he lives here. And that is the transformation that makes all the difference. That's why when you look in the Old Testament, they struggle so much because he was still out there. But when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and these 120 people were filled, it transformed them because now he was in here. And that's where God communicates from. So turn your Bible to John chapter 14. And if you're looking at sermon notes and thinking, we're not going to get through all this, you're right. <laughs> we're going to come back to it again next week. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15. John 14 is a part of Jesus. Um, there are three chapters when Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's spending time with his disciples. It's his last words to his disciples as he spends a few hours of the evening that he was betrayed. And so these words are important words because he's getting ready to leave. John chapter 14, beginning with verse 15, says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And, and just, by the way, so many people, I, and I read this wrong for so long, and I find that most people do, is I always read this, it, like Jesus is pointing his finger and going, if you love me, you'll do what I tell you to do. And that's not, that's not what he's doing. He's saying, if you have come to love me, you you're just going to, you're going to do what I ask you to do because you love me, because you've come to love me, because you're Brody and with grandpa, you're going to trust me enough to go with what I say. And so he's just making a statement. He says, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. So father, son, Holy spirit, the spirit of truth that we see working all through the Bible. The, holy, the, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you. He's been here as I have been with you and he will be in you. So when the Holy Spirit comes, when you accept Christ the Savior, the, the spirit of God comes to live within you. He's now living. And he goes on, These, in verse 25, jump down to verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while I'm, I am still with you. I'm here in the flesh, you see me? But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. He's going to be living within you. And so as you go through your life, he's going to bring to remembrance the things that I've taught. And he's going to teach you even more things. He's going to reveal things to you. He's going to talk to you. He's going to direct you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to affirm you. He's going to, to just guide you as you go through your life so that you can know the Father better and you can follow me the way that you're supposed to. He is the one, he would, he's the one that you would be communicating with. And because of that, verse 27, peace I leave with you. Because of the presence of the Spirit who will live within you, 
my peace I give to you, not as the world. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So we need to understand that the nudges that we're talking about is not pleading with God out there somewhere, but rather communicating with the Holy Spirit who lives within us. He, he's made his home within us. There, there are times when um, people will tell me, you know, when I first came here, every service I cried and I said, is my sermon that bad? I mean, is it, is it, is it just terrible? Or what? And they go, oh, no, no, I don't really say that. Because I know what it is. It's when the Holy Spirit is present, something happens from in here that oftentimes the only release are tears. Why? Because it's coming from here, not out there. So we need to understand that nudges of the, uh, is the Holy Spirit communication from here. Number three, and we'll come back to this more next week. We need to learn to recognize nudges. This is a skill. This is not something that just comes natural. This is a skill that is to be developed. It's what it means to be a, a disciple. Um, there was an old game show I don't think I ever really watched it, but I heard people talk about it a lot, called Name That Tune. Remember that? And the, the premise was they would play a tune and did the contestants buzz in or something? You know. Depending on what game it was, sometimes you just pick it in how many notes you can do it in. Yeah, it was. And so the goal was to recognize the song in as few notes as possible, right? That was it. And some of them could do it really fast. How? How do they do that? Because they knew the song so well, they recognized it, right? It was familiarity that caused them to be able to do it. If I call my mom, and she, no, she doesn't have a phone anymore that has caller ID on it, and I call my mom, she picks it up, she goes, hello, and I say, hi. You know what her next words are? Oh, hi, Herb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, sometimes it's hi, Herbie, too, yeah depending on how, what kind of day she's having. But she can recognize my voice that quick. Why? Familiarity. She's been my mom for, I'm not going to tell you how long, for a long, long time. She recognizes me. How do we recognize when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us or nudging us? Familiarity. That's a, that's a big reason why it's important that we come to ju not just read the Bible, but study the Bible and memorize the Bible and know the Bible so that, because this is also the voice of God. Amen. And when we, and it helps us recognize his voice when he speaks. Because anytime God says anything from in here, it will always align with the Bible that we have, the word of God that's here. Amen. Um. So he, he, we'll follow up on this next week. But I, I, so I want to give you the couple of categories of what nudges look like. First are what I, I call soul-level words. Soul-level words. Very rarely when God speaks will you hear them with your ears. Every once in a while, and we know in the Bible, it talks about how God speaks and you can literally hear it with your physical ears. Almost always uh, when God speaks to us, it will be with words that 
resonate with our souls. Because this is where the Holy Spirit lives. And so when the Holy Spirit talks, it goes deeper than just our minds. And what I find, oftentimes there are thoughts that come to my mind that I, oftentimes I'll go, uh, I'm not that smart. So that's got to be coming from someplace else. Um, or they're different, words are different. Why would I ever think that? But, but more than that, it's because it sounds different when it resonates with your soul than it just words that come to mind. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Holy Spirit from within is connecting with our spirit. Sometimes it'll be when you're talking to somebody else. You'll be talking about God and they'll say something and it'll, it, you'll go, whoa, there's something. That was from God. They may not even know they're saying it. They, they may, well, they know they're saying it, unless they're unconscious. <laughs> they know, you know, it's talking in their sleep, maybe. I don't but it, they know they're saying words, but they may not be realizing that it's the Holy Spirit that is speaking to you from them. But something happens here. Whoa. Soul level words. Romans 8.26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us, for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit lives within us. And so it's the Holy Spirit's soul level working in us. And so that sometimes we don't even know what to pray and the Holy Spirit will pray through us. Sometimes we, it, it, we just, it just be, sometimes I just say, God, Holy Spirit, just pray whatever I need because I don't even know what to say. And there's, there's just this sense of God's presence. So soul level words, words that come um, let me give you a couple of examples. This is my current journal. And I encourage you to write down lessons that you learn and messages that you sense that you hear from God. What I generally do is I use the left side for things that I sense God saying to me and the right side for prayers or observations or um, if, if the devotional book has a, a thought in there that I want to capture, I'll write it on the right side. So that's, that's kind of the way I organize my, my journal. You can do it any way you want. I don't necessarily write in it every day. But what I've learned is if God says something to me, it's, it's important to capture it. It's important to write it down. And then oftentimes there'll be, uh, well, not often, but there, there are periodic times when I'll sense God saying, go back through your journal and read what I've said to you before. And I will, and sometimes it's even more meaningful the next time that I go through. And, and, and so sometimes those soul-level words are words of encouragement, they're affirmation, they're direction sometimes, sometimes they're rebuke. Sometimes God will tell us things that maybe we don't even want to hear. Um, and so, well, uh, you know, I got... Um, So, so uh, earlier in January, I got up one morning and, and as I was getting ready to go to my knees, I sensed God say, get on your knees, we got business to do. 
I said, really, God, what I was hoping for was some encouragement, affirmation. <laughs> That's what I really like. No, he said, we got business to do. And so I did, and I out down. And, it, and another thing that he said to me is, when, um, when you're praying, have pencil and paper close by. And I think what God's saying is, Herb, you're getting old. <laughs> if you don't have it close by, by the time you find it, you won't remember what I told you. <laughs> so... So I, I tried to write it down. Um, and, and so what happened after that? So I did that and I got ready. And in that time of being on my knees, it was just uh, truth after truth after truth after truth. I, I almost couldn't write fast enough things that I needed to either do or know on that day. If I hadn't listened to him, I wouldn't have got that. Um, sometimes it's encouragement. I'm with you. Trust me. Oftentimes, as I go through here, <laughs> the end of December, I was praying and I said, God, I just, I just want to be aligned with you. <laughs> and I sensed the voice of God say, no, no, you don't. You want to be aligned with me in doing things you enjoy. And my first inclination is, no, I don't. Because <laughs> I don't want it to be that way. And what he was saying is, you, there are certain things about being a pastor, about being a Christ follower that I really enjoy because of my personality. There are other things that I don't enjoy. And he was challenging me. He's saying, you enjoy, you want to be aligned with me when it's stuff that you like to do. But I got stuff, and he had been bothering me about some things that he wanted me to do. I got stuff that I need you to do that you don't enjoy, and you aren't aligning yourself with me. My response, forgive me. I'm sorry. Push me to obey is what I wrote. I repent. So it's, it's, it's just all... The, but it's soul-level words. Now, is there ever a time when you sense you hear something soul-level and you're wrong? Yep, because you're human. That's why it's important that it matches the Word of God. I've had people come to me and say, you know, I think God wants me to divorce my spouse. No, no, no. You're not being abused. You just hit a hard time and you went out. That doesn't align with the Word of God. And there are other times when it's more subtle stuff and you're not sure. And it's important to confirm not only with the Word of God, but with other Christians. Because if God is saying something to us, He'll confirm it. He'll, he, he just doesn't, he doesn't leave us on our own. Remember, He loves us more than we can imagine. So, soul-level words. And then the next category is soul-resonating circumstances. Sometimes when he nudges us, it's, he creates circumstances that as they're, they're happening, you realize, oh, this is God. <coughs> Sometimes we recognize them right away. Other times we don't. That's why it's important to go to the Word of God and uh, like other people in the body of Christ who have the Holy Spirit live within saying, pray with me with this. Make, make sure that it's on track. I want to be following God. Um, flip over very quickly to Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10. When we find the Apostle Paul, Acts 16, verses 6 to 10, we find the Apostle Paul on his mission that God has sent he and 
Um, I believe it's, he's still with Barnabas, I think. Um, Barnabas or Silas. And he's trying to fulfill what God wants for him. And he thinks it's one thing. And he has to allow the Holy Spirit to guide him through soul resonating circumstances. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Now, how did the Holy Spirit forbid them? Doesn't say. All we know is that they were blocked, either by the Holy Spirit telling them don't go there or stopping them. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. How did the Spirit of of God stop them? I don't know. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go go on into Macedonia, concluding that God, (laughs) I love this last phrase, concluding that God had called him to preach the gospel there. Yeah, I think a vision's pretty clear. (laughs) That's a good conclusion, Paul. So here what we have are circumstances that are blocking them. One of the things I've learned, it took me a long time to learn this. So let me plead with you to learn it as young as, as you are. Don't go another day without learning this. Closed doors are often God's best plans. When you don't get the promotion or that person doesn't like you that you, that you were hoping for or um, bad things happen or you have a physical issue or your car breaks down, sometimes those are God's plans. And so instead of whining and complaining and asking God to do what you want him to do, the best plan of action is to Take a step back and say, God, what is, what is this really all about? Is this a closed door or is this a delay that you want me to pay attention to? Did my car break down because you want me to be the salt and light to the mechanic who's going to fix it? Did my car break down because there was an accident ahead that you didn't want me to be a part? We don't, hear, but here's what we do know, just like that song, He Leadeth Me. He'll take us by the hand and He'll walk us. When you insist on your own way, when you blow through those circumstances where God's trying to stop, it's just worse. It just makes it worse. Next week, we'll come back and talk more about soul resonating words, soul resonating circumstances. And I'll read you uh, some more from my journal. All of this is contingent upon you being a Christ follower. In learning community, we saw that all dogs go to heaven, but all people don't. God is striving to reach into people's lives, but they have a choice. People who are not following God don't get this. Sometimes God in his mercy and his grace will help direct them and protect them and all, but that's his grace. That's, but every Christ follower has this opportunity. To be led by God, step by step, moment by moment. And in the worst circumstances, God's presence is often most powerful. So we can trust him. Would you bow your heads?
Lord, I pray for each one of us that you would give us a fresh understanding of you as our loving Heavenly Dad. I pray that you would peel away false ideas, hurts from the past, things that have gotten in the way, and and you would lead us deeper and deeper into knowing you intimately as you really are. I pray that you would develop in each one of us the skill of knees and nudges so that we can experience the joy that you have for us. (coughs) Would you place within us um, a a deep desire and and determination to persevere with intensity? Would you help us to know what it looks like to surrender and listen and obey moment by moment? I ask that for each of us individually, but I also ask that for us as a congregation, that you would be more and more powerful in working in us, through us, with us. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We're so grateful. We give ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.